And that kind of leads to a little, um, I guess we can talk about it. I, I, I've done a couple of videos recently just talking about what you should be thinking about when buying a home because I'm work, I work with a fair amount, I'd say mostly investors. And I had some people that are, you know, new to the investment game and they're looking at it like, you know, what's the cash on cash return on this? And I'm like, look, it, we're in a seven and a half interest rate market. You can't necessarily look at the at the cash on cash or what return you're going to get for the year where we are today. I think the 2023 market, it needs to be an appreciation game because there is that inverse relationship with mortgage rates and prices. So when, when rates are up, you're going to be paying more per month for a better deal but then when rates go low, you're going to be paying above market value, but you're going to get a better term on the loan, a more affordable monthly payment, but you're buying above market value. I sure. think at the end of the day, it, what I also said was if, if you, you shouldn't be, unless it's a unique primary residence scenario, you shouldn't be looking at s- purchasing a home for under a 10 year period, maybe other than like a flip or cert like, but for most people that are going to purchase a home, I, I think a 10 year window is kind of where you should be along the lines of at least. Um, so even if you do pay above market value, I think it will still appreciate in that 10 year period. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, the best way to buy property is have a value add property. I always start with that. Yeah. Because even if you don't get the best deal, the value add proposition will offset uh, a lot of the opportunity. So normally, you know, for me, I buy, let's say 75, 80% is what I'm looking for. If you're on the retail market and you're sitting at 100%, it's not moving, you make a cash offer if it needs work, you want to line up somewhere around 90%, you'd be in, you'd be fine. Yeah. You know, 90% is purchase plus rehab included, right? So if the house is, you know, $200,000, we want to be in at uh 20 180. So let's say it's 20,000 rehab, we can be in at 160, put 20 in, you're you're 90% in. You're mm-hmm. at 180, you're 90% in. So you own all in at 180. And then the cash flow is going to be there. A hundred percent, it'll be there. Yeah, you know. No, no I'm with you too. So it's just but, simple. But simple I'm, with, I'm with you too, but I still think that I, I still personally don't think that people should be looking at cash flow in this market. Like, sure, it should play some level of a factor, uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, that's I'm just thinking from like a mindset perspective that we're in a market, um, and I would agree with you. I, I think that you should still be looking at value add properties, but a lot of people um, aren't willing to put the work into it. So I just think for just the common person looking to purchase a home, I just, I think that you should be looking at the appreciation side of things and and understanding that if you, you know, you can buy the rate down, you can refinance later, bite the bullet now, and you're going to get a better deal on that property. And you can always, that cash on cash return is going to go up once you refinance when rates come back down, maybe it's two give years, you, maybe it's three years. Yeah, I'll give you your, your answer for people that are wanting to invest and understand if their focus is cash flow, they're, they're missing the other four ways that we make money on property, right? There's appreciation, there's equity, there's principal reduction, there's um, tax offset. So mm-hmm. any income that we can make on the property, any repairs and things like that, you can properly work out and it can eliminate any of the taxable income on the property. Mm. So it can make money 100% tax free. And then you have whatever's left over is the cash flow. So the cash flow may not be good, but you're making money four other ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that okay. That's, yeah, that's, ex- that's articulated way better than I was trying to put it. <laughs> but it is. It's five ways that you make money on rental property. Yeah. So I can go to the stock market and maybe I make seven, 8%. 
on average. I mean, I was making 12% plus when I was really playing it. But, you know, and, when, and on one of rental property, we may only make 5%, but man, you're making money on all the other things. It's a long game, right? And I'm telling you, the wealthiest people in the US, I'd say seven out of the top 10 are all invested in real estate. Like that's mm. where they made a lot of their worth, their money. I don't make, like my liquidity has is, is, is been sucked dry over the last few years because of COVID. But my net worth is like quadrupled. Oh. Because I own all these properties. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. And that gives me peace of mind, even knowing that I became, you know, cash poor last year. Fortunately, the last six months have been good. We've been able to pull cash back out. But, um, and I haven't even touched any of my properties. I didn't do any HELOCs. I didn't do any cash outs. I just let them grow and build. Yeah. And now they're, you know, considerable equity in all the properties. Awesome. So that's what I recommend anyone doing that's investment. At least make it a part of your portfolio. Buy a rental property. You don't have to have 10, you know. Yeah. I tell people, man, you get to about three, you're a millionaire by the time you're 50. Yeah. You know, how hard is it that to buy? And, the, and, and I, I buy, I could buy several a year. I don't need to, but I, I mean, it's not that hard to do. Yeah. Especially if you get the right guy driving the, driving the car for you. It's good. 